Good morning. It is wonderful to have you with us here this morning. We welcome all of our visitors, and we love to have you here and to worship with us. And I want to explain this morning on our screen, um, Andy did the, uh, the slideshow for us like he does every week, but he's out of town this week, this weekend with the youth. And um, I think maybe in practice I changed a couple of things. So if everything is not exactly correct on the screen, you can blame it on me, but just sing along, all right? Let's stand up and sing together. Yes, I will. All right. for this day and we are thankful that we are able to come and worship you this morning Lord just open our minds and our hearts just re to receive you and to feel your presence and just to keep that with us throughout the day and throughout the week as we worship your name in your name I pray Amen
your neighbors and people you don't know especially and say hi there who you children come forward to join us for a few moments so good to see all of you. There's a bunch of you this morning, so that's, that's really good, because we're going to um, talk about what's in my bag here. Um, but first, I was thinking this morning as I was on the way to church of my favorite Bible verse, and my favorite Bible verse is John 3:16. Does anybody know what that is? Oh, it is? It's yours? Well, it is. Well, good. You and I have something in common then. But the verse says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believed in him, go ahead, Caroline. Not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. Very good, Caroline. So I got to thinking, you know, I wonder if there is a way that we could measure just how much God loves us. Do you think there is? Well, I brought some stuff here in my bag that we might can try to use. So here, let's see what we've got. All kinds of stuff. Okay, what do we use these things for? For cooking. Well, if I were going to build something, let me see that gray. If I were going to build something, I might use something like this. Do you guys know what this is? Well, this is a tape measure, and if I were building something, this would help me to measure how high or how wide or, you know, how the, the width or the height of something if I were going to build something. So the Bible tells us that God's love is as high as the heavens, higher than the heavens. So do you guys think I could use this to measure the heavens? See if we can stretch it. Can you pull it? You think that would go all the way to the heavens? Well, then we need to try something else because I don't think that will work. Okay, Caroline, let me borrow this. What is this for? What do we, what do we use a watch for to measure? To measure time, I bet there's some people out there today that are going to be measuring how long Pastor Holt's sermon is today with their watch, but... Um, the Bible also tells us that God's love is everlasting. That means it lasts forever. So do you think we could use a watch to measure that? No. Why? You think this eventually will just, the battery will die and it won't work anymore? Okay, well, I don't think any of the items in my bag will work to measure God's love. But I don't really think we're supposed to measure God's love. I think... You know, if God loved us so much that he sent his only son down here to save us, that must mean that he loves us an awful lot. So we're really not meant to measure it. We're just meant to experience it. So my prayer for you all today, all of your sweet little faces, is that you will learn to experience God's love and just how deep and how high and how wide it actually is. So do you guys want to say prayer with me? Okay. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much, Lord, for sending your only Son so that we shall have eternal life. In your name we pray. Amen. Just one headline this week. Casket rolls downhill. Doctor prescribes medicine to stop coughing. Good morning to everyone. Glad to see you here uh, for something other than news headlines. Uh, if you are worshiping with us as a guest, we're glad you're here and hope that you will be back on many future occasions to uh, enjoy this good fellowship and uh, a, a participatory worship service. So hope you will be here for that. Uh, if you have some prayer concerns that you would like for us to share and help you shoulder and join you in prayer, we invite you to write something down on an index card. Uh, our ushers will raise, well, if you will raise your hand, they will hand you a card and, uh, and invite you to write something down that you uh, don't mind me repeating, and we will share your prayer concern. Also being passed around later this morning will be, a, or maybe right now, is the registration of attendance pad. If you are not receiving our newsletters and bulletins by email and would like to, uh, please write us an email address on the space by your name so we can include you in our electronic mailing. Reminders for the kids. Our regular Sunday night program of choir, mission kids, and Bible study continues tonight. Remember again the new location for the choir with Miss Jessica. It's in the social hall. The March mission project is collecting items from Miracle Hill Children's Home. And our March Bible study topic is learning all about Lent. Council on Ministries meeting today at 4 p.m. in the social hall. Are you interested in hearing about the details and, and, and helping with the plans for Vacation Bible School in 2011? All volunteers are invited to join Katie for a brief meeting at 4 p.m. Sunday, March 27th, next Sunday. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, Eric Jeter is on his way here, and as he comes, let me say that the softball sign-ups for men's team and women's team is in the back. Uh, please leave your name and telephone number if you're interested in playing. Someone will call you to let you know when the practice is being scheduled. Good morning. Good morning. Just wanted to let everybody know on April 2nd, uh, the UMM, UMM will be holding our annual yard sale and barbecue. Uh, $7 a plate. Um, any yard sale items that you would like to bring can be held in Katie Jeter's office uh, unless they're too big um, and then we'll come around on Friday night and pick those up for you. Um, the barbecue is going to be 11 to 3 so please come out. Um, we're going to be selling uh, beginning of every service and the end so just come out and get a ticket and hope to see you there. Well, I have a baptism certificate here somewhere. I don't know where it is. But we'll go ahead and do the baptism. I'll get the certificate to you later. Uh, if you come forward now, uh, the major family and any of the uh, grandparents who would like to stand are certainly welcome to 
to come and, and join us here. Mystery. Oh, well. I was reminded this morning that I have baptized, I, I've been here a long time. I, this is the third in this family that I have baptized, third child. And I'm sure I'll be here for the fourth and fifth. <laughs> Chris says, I won't. <laughs> Grandparents, you going to sit out there? You're welcome to stand with us. It's a big job to raise these children and... Uh, Always good to have people standing. Well, I'm just falling all apart this morning. Ah, great. I think this is terrific. Dearly beloved, baptism is the outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Beloved, do you, do you in presenting this child for holy baptism confess your faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If so, will you say we do? Do you therefore accept as your bounden duty and privilege to live before this child a life that becomes the gospel, to exercise all godly care that he be brought up in the Christian faith, that he be taught the holy scriptures, and that he learn to, li to give reverent attendance upon the private and public worship of God? If so, will you say we do? Will you endeavor to keep this child under the ministry and guidance of the church until he, by the power of God, shall accept for himself the gift of salvation and be confirmed as full and responsible member, a, a full and responsible member of Christ's holy church? If so, will you say we will?
<laughs> if we can uh, receive the prayer cards at this time, um, we will uh, have our morning time in prayer. I just remembered something. Dallas, you have a responsibility of introducing Waffle House to your grandchildren. Thank you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that we might approach you with our concerns and prayers. We have confidence that you're at work in our hearts and lives, both in very small ways and also on, in grand capacity in other places. We believe that you're working on things in our world, big and small. And so we remember in our prayers, your people everywhere who need your love and care this day. Here are our prayers for today, our special prayers. We pray for Tanya and Tommy, Ashley's parents who are having marital problems. We pray for Eunice Heinemann, uh, an Alzheimer ERS patient uh, who is battling yet another infection. Uh, we pray for her, her healing. We pray for Ken Taylor for healing. We pray for the Eastler family of Gaffney and the loss of their son Benji. We pray for strength and safety for the people of Japan and Libya. We pray for a father beginning cancer treatment this week. We pray for a husband who is without work for 18, who has been without work for 18 months. Uh, we pray for him. We pray for a husband going on a long trip. We pray for his safety. And we pray for a friend's father who is battling cancer. We pray for Ian Hammond, age four, who has Lyme's disease. For Sandra, who has had a heart attack and has lost her daughter. We pray for Shirley, who has had eye surgery for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We give you thanks and praise for a father's wonderful recovery. We pray for all those struggling in their marriages. We pray for Betty Foster. We pray for health and peace. We pray for safety for Tom Richforth and his team in Afghanistan. Lord, these are our special prayers this day through Jesus Christ who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture lesson today, there's a sermon title, Snake on a Pole. Uh, scripture lesson uh, is from, first of all, from the book of uh, Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. Let's see if we've got that. Yay! They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. And then John 3, verses 15 through 17, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Here ends the lesson. If I need advice <clears throat> on how to do something, I learn different people in congregations that I can turn to. Around here, I often turn to Bill Davis when I need help on how to do things. Recently, I dropped by Bill and Beverly's new house out at St. James Place, and I found Bill working out in his backyard, and that's what I was wanting some help on. As we were talking in his backyard, he opened a gate that leads out of his backyard down a steep hill toward the Ennery River. And then Bill said, see all that tall grass? I hope that the developers of this area will soon bush hog all this area because it is loaded with copperheads. Beautiful copperheads there. Well, I don't really know what Bill said after that because I was back in the backyard, through the house, in the car, driving down the road when Bill looked up and said, Arthur, Arthur, I was out of there. Uh, I've already been turned down by one of those snake handling churches. <laughs> they did not call me. I wonder why. Um, that's me running down Bill's backyard there. One of the strange things in the, in the Bible is this story that we read today of Moses putting a bronze emblem of a snake on a tall pole and lifting it up. And then Jesus draws on that bizarre old, old story to describe what's going to happen in his life, what God is going to do through him as the Messiah in order for us to have eternal life. 
And it is that symbol of a snake on a pole that we see all around us when we go to the doctor's office. It is the symbol uh, of the medical profession. Um, now these facts to me just beg for some explanation as we, as we think about stories from the Bible. And I think the place to begin is back in the Old Testament with that story in the book of Numbers. The time that was spent in the desert by the um, Israeli people was a necessary time to coalesce the people into one nation. They didn't know each other when they left Egypt. They didn't trust each other, and so it was important that the strong ties be built. And it really worked, if you think about it, because they were in the desert for a generation, but what God did there has held them together for 3,000 years. It is an amazing thing. During that desert wandering time, God gave the people the Ten Commandments and entire religious system and um, also a judicial system. Moses was quite the skilled architect to have put this all together in, in the span of just one generation. But very often the people got restless and tired of wandering around without a home Food and water were daily challenges, and God was faithful to them in giving them manna from heaven, but just like our children at home, they don't always like what mama puts on the table, you know. It wasn't a buffet, and the children of Israel got tired of their uh, very plain food uh, and said in a grumbling way, Moses, have you brought us out here just so we can die? Well, apparently the Lord God doesn't care an awful lot for uh, grumbling and complaining. My parents didn't care too much for it either. Just as there were adverse circumstances in my home when I whined and complained, I think my daddy's favorite line was, I think I'm going to give you something to whine about. Uh, there were adverse uh, consequences for the Israelites when they spoke out and whined against God uh, and Moses the people who would later succeed in conquering everybody in the promised land couldn't handle an invasion of snakes nipping at their legs and feet. I thought y'all would really enjoy that picture right there. Where is uh, uh, Indiana Jones when you need him, right? Those who were bitten by the snakes became sick and then they got progressively worse and worse until they began dying. The people realized that their lack of trust had opened a door for evil to come upon them. And so they came running to Moses and said, we've sinned when we spoke out against you and the Lord. Pray for us. Ask God to take these snakes away. And so Moses prayed for his people. Now God's answer to Moses to me is a very strange thing. God didn't just take away the snakes. And he didn't just heal the people. Instead, God gave Moses some rather crazy sounding instructions. Moses, make a bronze statue of a snake. Really? Wait a minute, Lord. Brother Aaron made a golden calf statue and he got in big trouble. You want me to make a, a, an animal uh, like Moses, like Aaron did? God says, it's all right, Moses. The people are not going to worship the snake. 
They're going to look at the snake as a sign of my grace and presence and healing. It's going to be a sign that I am with them and being gracious to them is something that's going to give them faith and help them to focus their faith and to believe. Put that bronze snake emblem up on a very tall pole and raise it up high and those that get bitten can look at that snake and with, if they have faith in their hearts, they will not die. And so that's what Moses did. And that is what happened. God once again rescued his people from their sinful ways. It's fascinating to me that that short story was used by the Lord Jesus to explain what God was doing in his life for the people in his day. And it's amazing to me that Jesus compared his being on a cross to the snake being on a pole. That got me thinking about the parallels between Moses' snake on the pole and the cross of Jesus. The first similarity uh, is that the same cause led to both events, namely human sin led to the signs being made. The people of Israel sinned and their sin wasn't something you and I usually think of as sin. It wasn't stealing or murder or adultery. It was just grumbling and faithlessness, a lack of trust. Perhaps this should remind us that there are a lot of things that you and I do besides the biggies that are outside the will of God and that God says is sin. Failure to do the good that we ought to do is sin and we forget that. The term sin actually comes from archery. Uh, it means to miss the bullseye. You see the close to the bullseye is a little sin way out sort of the outside. That's a real whopper, you know, I guess in, a, in the hierarchy of sin. But sin just means to miss the bullseye. And most of us don't hit the center of the target no matter how hard we try. Isaiah said it very well. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Paul said all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short. We've wandered off the straight and narrow. It is the impossibility of perfection that runs us into so much trouble. One of my dad's favorite uh, sayings was he wished that hindsight, or rather he wished that foresight was as clear as hindsight. Looking back, you always see what you should have done, but looking ahead, it's not nearly as clear. It's amazing to me as we watch the news this week, the people of Japan had all kind of fail-safe things around their nuclear plants. They had backup for their backup. It all failed. We humans, no matter how smart we are, miss the mark time and time again. One of my favorite proverbs is, no amount of advanced planning can ever beat dumb luck. And that seems to be true as well. Uh, something as seemingly innocuous as groaning and grumbling brought snakes down upon the people. Our imperfections, our missing the mark, often brings us our troubles. Poison from snake 
Snake bites creates what we call a progressive illness. It gets worse as time passes. It continues to grow. Sin is very much like a progressive illness. You have to stay after it. The weeds are forever coming back in the gardens of our heart. It never gets to where the weeds are gone. You have to stay after the progressive nature of, of sin. We are sinners, every one of us, but we've all entered a treatment program known as Christian discipleship. Sometimes the weeds overtake all of us, or any of us. And when that happens, it is the most wonderful thing in the world to have Christian brothers and sisters who can come into your life and help you in those weak times. That's what we're here for. They help us weed our gardens and get back into our treatment program. Left untreated, the weeds will take over. Sin only keeps getting worse. A good example of a progressive illness is, the, is alcoholism. And um, I heard something fascinating about that disease. People drink more and more because the body gets used to what it's receiving and demands more and more. But studies have shown that alcoholism continues to grow inside of a person even if that person leaves off alcohol completely for a decade or more. And if they do fall back into the pattern of drinking, they don't pick up where they left off 10 years earlier. They pick up at the level they would have been at if they'd kept going. It grew inside them even though they were sober. That's a progressive illness. Sin is like that. And so when we turn away from God, we don't pick up where we left off 10 years ago. The sin is magnified. It's a progressive illness. Sin grows within us even if we do our best to keep it from spreading. I wish I could tell you that it gets easier as you get older, but it does not. The sins and temptations of youth are, are replaced by sins and temptations of old age. Some sin takes more energy than I got now, but others are a lot easier. Um, I was talking with a preacher friend of mine the other day, and he says, you know, if I don't retire soon, I'm going to explode and cuss somebody out. <laughs> he says, do you realize how much stuff we've pressed down inside of us all these years, and I can't keep it down anymore? I said, yeah, I kind of understand what you're saying. Maybe that's why Paul started out calling himself the least of the apostles, and by the time he was an old man, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. It grows. Uh, how wonderful it is that God comes to our help, though, and helps us. The people cried out for help. We cry out for help, and God helps, thank goodness. The second similarity between the Old Testament story of the snake on the pole and Jesus on the cross is that God comes to the aid of his people. God has a real soft spot toward you. He is ever ready to heal and forgive. What did the people of Israel have to do to be healed? Just look up and receive God's grace. To look beyond the pole to the God who was there. If you'll look here, I'll save you, God said. They didn't have to do anything else but to believe. They only had to look at the sign of God's forgiveness and they would be saved. Here in this place of worship, we have symbols of God's grace, and that's our, our stained glass in the sanctuary, but we have other symbols out here. A cross here on the Lord's table, a, a, a baptismal bowl on the Lord's table, 
all these things, calling us not to worship them, but to worship the God who gave us these signs. All people who lift their eyes and their faith to see and believe in the God beyond these signs, to see Jesus lifted up on the cross, we will be forgiven and given eternal life. It isn't a matter of us having to do anything. It is a matter of us trusting in what God has done for us in the cross. It is a matter of believing as the Israelites did in the one being lifted up. In both cases, God took a symbol of death, a snake, and a cross and turned them into symbols of forgiveness, grace, and life. And he took the results of sin, turned it inside out, and used them to save us all. The third similarity between the snake on the pole and the sun on the cross is that neither makes a whole lot of good sense, logically, if you think about it. How can a snake bring healing to those who've been snake bit? How can a man dying on a cross bring forgiveness and eternal life to people who are dying from the power of sin? Moses, I'm dying from a snake bite. What good is going to come from me looking up at a snake on a pole? God, I am lost, separated from you by an ocean of sin. How does it help me to see your son on the cross? Does the cross make all that much sense to you? I want to say to you today, it doesn't have to. In speaking of the cross, the Apostle Paul called it the foolishness of God several times. It is as if God said, it might appear to be foolishness to you, but just trust me. Trust in my goodness. Believe me when I tell you that all you need for salvation is to look up at the cross and believe in Jesus. And believe me when I say that the cross is the only sign that you need of my salvation. God so badly wanted the Israelites to be healed and restored to him that he undertook an act of complete foolishness and desperation by having a snake raised up on a pole. God so badly wanted us to notice his love for us that we wouldn't have eternal life that he undertook another act of desperation and apparent foolishness by having his son lifted up on a cross. And you know what? It worked. A lot of people who would have ignored a king on a throne have stopped to look at the horrors of a God who would dare die on a cross in the person of his son for us. Barbara Brown Taylor, an Episcopal priest, theologian, author, and professor, says that Nicodemus probably had a very difficult time understanding that it wasn't knowledge that would bring salvation, rather it was Jesus being lifted up on a cross that would bring salvation. She writes, Imagine studying all of your life to be among the elite and powerful, only to be told that all of your theories are based upon a completely false premise. Believe in me. That was Jesus' dare to Nicodemus. Turn your cup upside down. Turn your mind inside out. Step into the air, ride the wind, 
be born anew and believe in Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake on a pole in the desert, so God will lift up the Son of Man on a cross. And when Christ is lifted up, he will draw all people unto him. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we share together the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, <clears throat> maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated and let us worship God by giving.
Will you stand and sing with us? Amen. 